At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is Matt Liner, and you're listening to Reign of Troy Radio. Reign of Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Get Michael Castillo on the phone. <laughs> Scrap, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Oh, I can't believe USB is five and seven and not going to a ball. Oh. Alright Trojan fans, turn up the volume. It's time for Reign of Troy Radio. Here's your host, Michael Castillo. Hello everybody, welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 336, coming to you on Thursday, October 3rd. We are going to look back at USC's loss to the Washington Huskies, and look forward, and so much more here on this episode. We've got a huge mailbag, and so much to discuss. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at fansided.com, and our phone number is 213-373-1872. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, joined along with my co-host, Alicia Dertola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. We are back home. I am in Phoenix. You are in LA after our trip to Seattle, which was great in terms of weather. The weather was, it was a little rainy, a little Seattle-y, but I thought it was, it was nice to be cool for, for a, a, a weekend and not be like 90 degrees. That was cool. Uh, it was a fun trip. Yeah, it was really great. I mean, the the weather was great. Uh, it was a good weekend, aside from the game, and even the game was engaging enough. So, you know, we got something out of it. I think um, the only my only complaint remains that the city of Seattle gives me anxiety when it comes to their streets. Uh, yeah, yeah, not eager to to drive in Seattle uh, or be in a vehicle in Seattle anytime soon. But everything yeah. else about the city was cool. I repeat, you were not the one driving. I was yes. the one driving. Yes, but I don't need to be driving to be given anxiety over driving through little narrow streets that, you know, don't, you have to turn and then turn and then 
sort of flip around and there's random I, I feel inlets like, and outlets. I like feel like this and, is an indictment on my driving, if anything. No, no, because I, I, I was trying to follow along the GPS with you and it really wasn't working. So, yeah, I, I don't think this was a you problem, Michael. I think it was a uh, I think it was a Seattle problem. Wait, are you saying that it's not a me problem? It's not a you problem. No, I think I think Seattle has its own uh, grid problems that are separate from you. Does this mean Michael was right? Michael was right. Michael was right. No, that means you were neutral, not right. Are you saying I was stock neutral? You were stock neutral on your driving in Seattle. Except, except for that okay. time that you didn't, you refused to use your blinker. Oh, oh God! Are we gonna go into this? Are we gonna rehash this fight? We we don't need to rehash this fifteen minute argument <laughs> for the podcast. No, just a reminder for everyone: use your blinkers. I didn't use my blinker because I wasn't moving over. That's why I, w- I wasn't gonna move <laughs> over without using my blinker. I'm not a moron. <laughs> uh. Let's get to football. Well, since you want to rant about Seattle's more, uh, let's get to the rant line calls that were dialed into the Rain and Troy rant line. 213-373-1872 is the number. Here's what people had to say after USC's loss to the Washington Huskies. Hey, Michael and Alicia. This is Randy from the uh, Bay Area. Ron from Northern Virginia. Josh from Buckeye This is Andrew from Buckeye Country. Hi, guys. Trinae from Inglewood. Hey, this is JB calling all the way from Orlando, Florida. Scott from Memphis, Tennessee. Top children fan calling from Virginia. Bob from Orange County. Doctor from Oxford. Joe from Vadio Lomas from the South Bay. Yeah, hi, this is Jim in Nashville. Sean for years, Austin, Texas, blah, blah, blah. Corey from Pasadena, man, this is going to be a long-ass game. Great Detroit Radio, what's up? This is Dave from Orange County. You bet your sweet ass this is going to be a rant line. Alicia, Michael, I'm surprised there's room on your voicemail and it's not full. Um, and I have rant. Um, I mean, I really don't, though. Also, I'm in the drive-thru at In-N-Out, so if it's cut short, it's because they brought me my food. But, like, I mean... That game was boo-boo. Not much to write home about. All right, Michael. You called it. I hate it, but you called it, which is lose to Washington. Beat Utah at home. That seems like the only place we can win. And then Washington obviously smoked us. This week, I think we got the Jekyll. Let's see if Mike comes back next week. Well, I just called to say, man, that this damn USC version of the LA system sucks. It just basically sucks. We can't run the freaking ball, and our defense can't tackle. This team can't run the ball against a three-man front. You have to run against the damn numbers, like they said, man. It's ridiculous, dude. They can't throw the deep pass because they're in two deep safeties. Hand the ball off, think. Nobody's open. Nobody's blocking. When do we get a D5 offensive line? I'm telling you, Shippensburg would be able to push through this offensive line. They are a screen door on a submarine. Yeah, you got to give the offense a little bit of slack with the injuries and all that but man you know defense causes a fumble and and Washington somehow ends up scoring a touchdown on it it's just it's just brutal the Washington loss I think it's summed up in this statement the USC red zone offense looked like a sick pig you had two drives stall out inside the five five yard line and came away with no points and then lost by two scores bruh hey we're inside the goal line let's run it three times right up the middle uh, let's see if they stop us. 
Let's not try something different, like maybe to the outside. I've never coached a game in my life. I've never played a game in my life. But I could play call better plays than what they've done. And you know, I want to give them some swag because Matt Fink is thirsting, and clearly for a reason, we all have found out. But I just, I, you know, I don't see Slovis or JT Daniel doing any better in the situation. And I'm at the point where I don't even know who it's a reflection of anymore. Actually, in the words of Forrest Gump's mama, mediocre is as mediocre does. And that's just freaking it. Got a hot take coming. I think this game rests solely on Matt Fink's pretty terrible gameplay. I think Keaton Slovis playing at, you know, like 2% of what he was playing at BYU would have won this game. Well, I guess that should about do it right there. Two minutes, 20 seconds left. Uh, Matt Fink just threw his like 17th interception of the game. I don't know. I wasn't counting, you know, maybe 18. Three interceptions, and they just looked atrocious. Matt Fink, man, like, I love the guy. The guy played great last week, but he's just limited, and it just showed in this game. He just doesn't have enough sauce on his throws. Like, this is a joke. Is Matt Fink colorblind? He clearly doesn't know what team he's throwing to. Hi, this is Bella from Orange County. Um, Matt Fink, he's more like I play. Like, Dad, he was talking to me, he was talking to you like he talks to me. The, the interception on the one-yard line, we were walking in to score after the car is looking like a damn man out there, gaining yards left and right. There was a hole on the plus side that was big enough for a Mack truck to drive the ball through. But what you do, you go through the ball short of a slant receiver to let it get picked off on the one-yard line. I'm sorry, Matt Stink. This game is on you, buddy. And this game is on you, Clay Helton, Graham Harrell, for giving the ball to Matt Fink to let allow him to go ahead and lose this game. When you have a young quarterback who has not started before and is coming into a new uh, into a game for the first time, you don't have him throwing passes down the middle. You you arrange for him to have routes run to the outside. Instead, what do we do? We throw right down the middle and have interceptions. Hello, Reign of Troy. This is Dave in Utah, and I'm calling to turn this into a rave line. Yes, I said it, a rave line. After contemplating the game on Saturday, I have to say, I have never seen such a creative group of officials. I don't understand exactly what I'm upset about right now besides this is a terrible loss, of course. Why can't this team win on the road? This is a multi-year problem. I'm so tired. This is just the 2018 season all over again. This could be another 5-7 and seven season based on the rest of the schedule and based on how they look today. With the sheer amount of talent that SC has, they should not be this bad. Unacceptable, unbelievable, and again, pathetic. It sucks to be a Trojan. It really does. I feel so bad for the kids. This coaching staff is not setting them up to win, not setting them up, up for success. This loss is, I mean, it, it's not fireable, but it, it's telling. Who's ready for all the excess diarrhea known as fire help and all this and all that? Uh, Graham Harrell, definitely an upgrade over T. Martin. Uh, the defensive line coach, absolutely an upgrade. Tim Drevino still sucks, uh, but it starts at the top, man. And I'm sorry, Clay, you're a great guy, but we need a real coach. Sincerely, James Franklin. If after this bye on Saturday and they go into South Bend, 
and the Trojans get an ass whipping in South Bend, then no doubt the Helton era must end. I would love to see the, the team you know, back to where they used to be. And Clay Helton's always talking about tradition, living up to it. He's supposed to be the person in charge of discipline, and guys messing up left and right, and he's freaking, nobody's coming out the game. We are seven plays away from being a good team. Seven plays, that's what he said, which is 35 points worth or 21 points worth if you count field goals or 14 safeties. I don't think there's going to be a tarmac. There's nobody to fire Clay Hilton. Um, so I guess we have to just, just wait and endure this. Let's get through this season and let's move on. Hey, glad the rant line is back open. This is L.A. Fred. And I tried to promise myself that I wasn't going to get upset watching today's games because I was expecting to lose. But as we got going further into it, I realized we have a chance to win this damn thing. And then I watched what ended up happening. And I took some time after the game to dig through some numbers. Much to my chagrin, I went back and hopefully everyone remembers that when Lane Kiffin was fired after the ASU debacle on the tarmac, he was 4-7 and seven in the prior 11 games. Well, after the loss today at Washington, Clay Helton is now also 4-7 and seven in his last 11 games. And I know people don't like change sometimes because it's often hard. But God damn it, change is good. Change is needed. Change holds people accountable. Change is the only option sometimes. Well, Rockbots, we are living in those sometimes right damn now. And I'm drinking my big-ass beer tonight, hoping for that change to come, and hope it's sooner rather than later. Yeah, I believe our features are ahead of us. Well, I guess that about does it. Fight on and fight out. Fight on. Fight on until next week. Fight on, I suppose? Yeah, fight on. Fight on. Fight on, everybody. Thanks, guys. Sorry, this is boring. I'm just going to hang out for your own sanity. Bye. There we go, Alicia. A lot of angry people, a lot of apathy, and a few new callers, including a familiar voice to me, even though he didn't say who he was, uh, and a certain uh, Bella from, from Orange County making an appearance. Yeah, it's a family affair on this rant line, isn't it, Michael? A little bit. A little bit. I mean, if 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 you if your if one of your parents is calling another aunt line, does that mean that mine need to uh, need to get with the program? Start I'm calling wait- in. I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for your mom to dial in and start complaining about the oh, play calling. Oh my gosh, my mom picked me up from the airport on Monday, and she actually I I got in the car, and she's like, "So I listened to your car cast," and she was like. I was so mad. I didn't after that game. I was so mad. I didn't even want to like do anything because they just should have been running. Like, I don't know why they weren't just running the ball. And I'm sitting there going like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. My mother who doesn't know who only knows anything about football because of the the basically the osmosis that she's received from being around me and my dad for so long. Like, even my mother can tell. That the, that the USC is ridiculous for not running the football. It was amazing. It was glorious, actually. Now, d- did you did you talk to her about USC's yards per carry if you take out the, the 60-yard run and the 35-yard run? No, because she understands that uh, just because you take out those runs doesn't mean that the run game wasn't effective. Speaking about the run, there's so much more to hear you say on that topic over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. We rewatched the game on Sunday night. You recorded a rewatch episode on Patreon that night, too. You can listen to it on Patreon, and you go in-depth about every single moment, every single big moment, your takeaways, breaking down uh, you know, the game and all that stuff. Patreon.com slash Troy. 
You get all our bonus content for as little as five fifty-five a month. For ten bucks, you can join the Rot Crew, which is a Slack channel that we have, and it is a hell of a blast. Uh, you know, dropping little nuggets like uh, Reign of Troy radio news that we have that's coming soon, and like the last week was everyone trying to guess what the what the news is. It, it's been it's been a fun time. You know what I'm really excited for with the with the Rot Crew is that uh, since we're not going to Notre Dame, that means that we are both going to be at computers uh, during Notre Dame, which means both of us are going to be able to actually, well, at least me so me far more than, than normal, uh, going to be able to interact during the game uh, for the Notre Dame yeah. game in the Slack crew, that in our, in our game chat. So that's going to be super, super fun. Yeah, especially since that's a big game for you as a Notre Dame alum. Um, so <laughs> yeah. it's going to be exciting. Patreon.com slash Reign of Troy is where you can join the club, Club 555 for 555, or the Rot Crew for 10 bucks. Uh, last thing to get to before we get to the news, we had a couple new reviews on iTunes. Uh, sorry, Apple Podcasts now. First one comes from the CT guys. Uh, it's five stars and says a great series of podcasts. My over under is five stars. And in parentheses, Alicia, it's only football. Is it only football? Is it is it only football? I don't know. Matters of life and death, guys. It it might be. It might be. Uh, next one also five stars from Oh Yeah Two O One that says awesome. Five stars. I love USC football. And have for years. I'm not from LA, but I love and follow USC. Rod is my favorite podcast. And I listen to every single one produced. Michael and Alicia rock. And for the record, thank you for the review. For the record, you got my name right. In fact, both of those reviews got my, got the spelling of my name right. The second one specifically asked if that was the correct spelling. So, yeah, people are getting the spelling. People are uh, enjoying the show. That's that's all we ask for. You mean it's not A Y L E. Y-C-I-A. That sounded very complicated, uh, but yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not that. Uh, all right. Very very easy. A-L-I-C-I-A. A-L-I-C-I-A. That's how you spell it? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the way you broke it down, A-L-I-C-I-A. That's just not how A-L-I-C-I-A. I think about it. That's not how I think about it in my brain. So it's oh. interesting to hear you say that. A-L-I as in Prince Ali from Aladdin. And CIA, as in the Central Intelligence Agency. Okay. Yeah. All right. M I C H A E L. Because M I C H E A L is the degenerate way of spelling Michael. If you spell it like that, you're you're not as cool of a person. <laughs> Michael M I C H A E L is a great name, by the way. Uh, let's get to the news. We'll come right back after this quick break. So let's get into the news. The Trojans are on a bye week, which doesn't mean that there's no practice. It means that there's practice, but it might not be practice that people want them to be practicing the way that they're practicing, but they're practicing. And one person that's practicing is Keaton Slovis, USC's quarterback, uh, who missed the Washington game. He was removed from the Utah game after two plays after suffering a concussion. He has been cleared to practice, not necessarily for contact yet, the same is also true for Talanoa Hufanga, USC safety, who missed the Washington game and got hurt at the end of the Utah game. Yeah, so USC, they, they want to use this bye week to get healthy, and that's one of the things they're able to do 
with Keaton Slowis practicing, with Talano Hufanga practicing. Uh, guys who aren't practicing, though, are uh, Christian Rector, who's dealing with that sprained ankle. So basically letting him rest that is probably the best way to go. Uh, Vi Malapai also tweaked his knee a few weeks back, and so he's getting the week off. Um, still no sign of Jordan Iacefa or Jacob Lichtenstein getting back to practice. No sign of Andrew Voorhees getting back to practice either. Uh, but the big the big injury news at this stage is that Josh Follow suffered an MCL sprain, and uh, so he's sitting out the week. Not clear if he's going to be available for Notre Dame, but I'm guessing not. Uh, because Clay Helton said early in the week that they're really focusing this bye week on getting Jude Wolf up to speed and ready to go uh, because they're going to need him against Notre Dame. So I'm assuming that we're going to see a debut from him uh, next week. But Josh Follow being out is is going to be the thing that, uh, that that basically forces their hand on that. So basically this, this week of practice is all about getting healthy and kind of like you hinted at, they're doing it. Short practices, they're not, they haven't done full pads yet. Maybe they'll do it on Thursday. Don't know, but hasn't exactly been the most intense week of practice, which I suppose you could say is, is fine. Um, if you weren't uh, in a situation where you are three and two, there's a ton of skepticism about your program and, uh, the hot seat is hotter than hot. So, yeah, Clay Helton gets no benefit of the doubt about anything right now, and uh, rightly so. I mean, given all of the circumstances about USC, uh, given the 5-7 and seven season last year, given the mistakes that have had happened this year leading to losses, many of them being similar, if not the same, mistakes. So I understand why people would be upset about them not practicing harder uh, on a bye week. At the same point, I feel like this is the same conversation we have every single week, every single year on the bye week. But like bye weeks are bye weeks for a reason. Like it's partially so you have more time so you can prepare for your next opponent, and also partially, you know, to to rest up. So I don't have a major issue with this. You know, SC's gonna SC, Clay Helton's gonna Clay Helton. Things are gonna happen. It's I'm I'm completely shruggy. Yeah, I mean, th- there's an argument to say that. At this point, even if they did put a drastic change in during this bye week, it wouldn't necessarily make that huge of a difference. So they're they are a speeding train, and nothing's going to stop it from going where it's going. Yeah, uh, at least in, in my opinion. So you, you say this while I'm literally watching the viral video from Chicago O'Hare Airport, where it's the the the, the <laughs> thing spinning out of control, and then the guy. <laughs> yeah, that that video Genius is amazing. Genius way to stop that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. I was just surprised that so many of the uh, the tarmac workers are like getting as close to that thing as they were while it's well, they, spinning they had out of to control. Protect the plane. But what are they going to do to protect the plane? Get crushed in like splatter the plane with their you know blood and guts because they got in the way of that thing? Like the, I, the I think people were we're gonna just gonna try to push it off course a little bit, maybe. I don't uh, know. I don't know. I it don't know. Out. All's Either well way, I mean, well. there's an analogy for USC football somewhere in here. Uh, I just, uh, you know, I'm just grasping at it. Hey, SC people will be, SC fans will be at O'Hare uh, in about a week, so. This is true. Get get ready, get ready. Keep an We're eye back. out for uh, for out of control bag. Be- beverage like carts. Sna- it wasn't like baggage, it was like snacks or something like that. Like Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cart. <laughs> All right, uh, that's going to wrap it up for the news. Uh, let's get to our thoughts about the rewatch. Both of us, as we mentioned earlier, watched the game on Sunday night. Um, 
I was editing pictures while we're watching it. You're taking notes for your rewatch. I don't know how to feel about this game any differently at the, the but at the same point, I, I look at it and it's like, I, I said it in the car cast, they SE had their chances and you rewatch the game and you're like, seriously, they had a billion freaking chances to tie, maybe even win this game if things go their way. Uh, and they, they didn't, uh, the run game tends to be the thing that you and I talked about a lot on, on Sunday while we were watching it, you know, after you rewatch the whole thing, tell us your thoughts about the run game. I just think they should have run it more. I think they should have run it more and accepted that Washington was going to drop eight. And that, I mean, the thing that surprised me, I, I went into this game thinking, well, they must have been dropping eight a lot, but I didn't expect literally 90% of the plays to be against a five-man box. And I don't know why USC was so hesitant to run at them. And and even when they did run, you know, the, the runs that they had in this game, not all, a lot of them were, were runs to the outside. And I don't understand what USC is thinking when they are running to the outside, which is is not their strength. The the offensive line is not as good running, you know, blocking to the outside as they are going to the inside. The inside doesn't have any any bodies there, so it makes more sense to run to the inside. And USC, you know, they run the ball thirty three times, which is fine, but they could have easily run the ball forty five times the way that Washington. Or at least feigned like they were going to run the ball 45, 50 times to force Washington to change their defense. And then, you know, half of those runs should actually be, more than half of those runs should actually be just straight ahead. You know, north-south running, which th- this is something that that I continually, continually complained about last year. That I think that USC, I thought that USC's blocking schemes were overly complicated it's not like you don't have a physical advantage over most of the teams that you're playing. Just go put a hat on a hat and 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 uh, go straight at them. And if you get beat physically, you get beat physically. But at least challenge the other team instead of setting yourself in situations where you have somebody pulling and somebody's missing a block and all this other stuff. Like just just go straight ahead, especially when you're facing a five man front. I don't understand why USC didn't do it. And, like, I know that we talk all the time about how inconsistent the run game is, how inconsistent the offensive line is. None of that changed. But I do feel like the way that USC was running the ball in this game, they could have had a lot more success if they'd just been straightforward. And and worst comes to worst, Washington starts committing men to the box, and then you open up things and make make uh, Matt Fink's life a little bit easier. You make Tyler Vaughn's and Amon Rossi Brown and, and Michael Pittman's lives a little bit easier. Uh, for having run, uh, you know, straight ahead at at Washington, but USC didn't. They didn't really seem interested in in it, and and when they did, you saw them drive. You know, far. You you had talked in the car cast about um, how they were moving the ball pretty well. Well, when they moved the ball pretty well, it was because they just said, "Screw it, let's run," and it worked. Uh, and they they didn't pay it off in the red zone, and there's a lot of reasons for that too. But uh, I just. I come away thinking, man, they missed an opportunity here to just run and run straight ahead because this wasn't a situation like BYU where Nealon was getting absolutely destroyed by the the nose tackle. Like, sure, there were moments, but Washington's defensive front was not dominating this game. Uh, so I didn't see any reason to not run. Oh, I'll, I'll give you some reasons here. Uh, I put this on Twitter. 
especially in the first half, because this is when we really started having this conversation and during during our rewatch in the first half. Um, in the first half alone, USC's running backs averaged three point two five yards per carry. Three point two five. I'm sorry, that's not good enough. Yes, Carr but was, that three point two. Hold three point two five. Let me get into it. Let me get into okay. it here. Carr was two had two carries for two yards. Step had five carries for seven yards. Uh, combined seven for nine yards for those two guys. Not good. Uh, Malpea had thirty yards. Half of that came on one run. So yeah, I think the 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 defense was absolutely dictating that USC should have run the ball more. And I think the game would have completely changed. Two things would have completely changed this game. A, if Matt Fink doesn't throw interceptions at the goal line. And two, if SC just has an ability to run just a little bit better than they did uh, against a five-man box, it completely changes everything. Washington has to change up their defense. Jimmy Lake has to adjust. He never had to adjust in this game. And then SC was never able to really get everything going. They couldn't really get the passing game going. They couldn't get the running game going, and it all came kind of came back to the offensive line, where I agree with you here completely. I was talking to Trent Goodrich, a contributor for NFTroy.com, and he was, he, you know, we were talking about the difference between Marquis Step and the other running backs. And yeah, I think we all agree. Marquis Step is not better than the other guys, but he's getting more yards. And how is he getting more yards? Part of it is because. They know what the type of runner he is. He's a downhill runner. He's someone who's going to be running between the tackles. And when USC runs between the tackles, they have success. When they run to the outside, they kind of falter, especially when you look at runs with, you know, using the the H back. And I, I don't know why you put Eric Hook on the right side to run him to, a, to the left on like a little counter. And you have him make up such a lateral, a long lateral distance. Uh, that it slows down the run for Stephen Carr doing, for him to 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 hit the and hole, you're, and you're doing that while pulling a guard too. So Stephen yeah, Carr has to wait for the guard and the tight end to get over to the other side of the line. Way it's too slowed. many things can go wrong, and way too many things were going wrong. So yes, I think the reasons you know Marquis Step is getting better blocking because we've talked about that all the running backs are bad. You know, just like we've talked about the quarterbacks. You know, the quarterback doesn't matter. It, it's 10 times more that the running back doesn't matter except yes. except for how they're being used. And so step is being used on runs in, uh, right up the middle. And USC are they're not overcomplicating the the blocking schemes on those runs and so step is getting better blocking out in front of him because of that. And so I think that yeah, if if the runs were better and they were just downhill runs, you were they were inside zones they were dives up the middle. They were just running, you know, straight forward, right at people. I think the running game would be a lot better. But that's not the situation. That's not the offense that they were deploying in this game. Uh, that's not what they were doing. So I don't necessarily know that running the ball would have made a, you know, a, a better opportunity for everything. They needed to run the ball better in general, not necessarily well, more for me. This is this is the problem with with all of the conversations that we can have about USC is that. It all does come down to the execution and it all does come down to uh, those those greater flaws that this team has, which, you know, we can talk about the third string quarterback and we can talk about the defense and we can talk about the the inconsistent offense and all this kind of stuff. But 
you know, we can pinpoint the individual things that you could have done differently in, in, in each game, but w- there are broader, bigger issues that are at the heart of all of it, right? So, yeah, if they run more, maybe they have a chance, uh, but also maybe it just turns out like BYU where they where they end up getting uh, stuffed a bunch and the running game doesn't work and, and the whole offense is, is futile anyways. Right. Uh, so, but that but that comes down to what is your offensive line doing? Are they gaining the yards against five man fronts that they should be, that they ought to be? And that's, you know, that gets to the core of the problem is that the offensive line is still incredibly inconsistent. And so you can't rely on them. You can't trust them. And this team would be so very different if USC could trust that offensive line uh, to just go out and and not make catastrophic mistakes as often as they do, because that's part of the problem is, is if they just if they just got beaten physically for three yard runs on occasion, if their failure of runs were two or three yards, that would be very different than the running backs getting hit in the backfield because they're not accounting for the defenders that they need to account for or they're letting men through or whatever, then the running game even then would be very different. Because, like, again, you talked about the the rushing average being 3.5 or whatever. That's because USC's running backs are either getting four yards or minus one, you know? And and that definitely, you know, you can, you can have one first down where you get four yards and you're on schedule and everything's going fine. The next first down you run and your running back gets stopped in the backfield for negative one yards and then suddenly you're in second and 11 and you're you're um, you're you know at a loss. So that's the, the inconsistency across the board of all of the aspects of this team kind of sink any of these fixes that we can have discussions about. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it would be so much easier to sit here and say, yeah, they should be running the ball more. If they they ran it like a seven yard <laughs> yard clip, uh, and they were that was a really good looking seven yard clip, right? That was you know a bunch of six seven five eight four three seven five nine, you know. And but that's not that's not what SC was doing in this game. SC was running two three two three eleven two four sixty one negative one zero. 15 like that's what they were doing in this game which, which makes it makes it a little bit difficult makes it difficult when they're going to be so inconsistent so I don't know if there was this, a, a an answer in this game more than just the offensive line needed to play better and so the, the calls for the adjustments on offense then I think I think we agree is maybe just running the ball up the middle more than the well, outside see, and, that's, get, get, and that's what it's I the say opposite is- of the defense right I suspect the offensive line would play better if they just said, like the Utah game, we're just going to run it, guys, run it downhill, no frills, no nothing, just go block the man in front of you. At the end of the Utah game you're talking about. Yeah, at the end of the Utah game, yeah. But, but, you know, there's there's, there's that thing that they always talk about where when you go to the offensive line and you say, you're just going to run it you know, straight ahead, do, you know, out muscle them, whatever. And then the offensive line just, you know, takes that challenge and, and has that be the thing that fuels them. I don't know if that would work. I can't say, but I would rather see them try that than what we saw against Washington. Yeah. And, and like I was saying, like it's the opposite of the defense where the defense can't control the perimeter and USC can't seem to get to the perimeter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and who the heck knows 
how to fix either of those problems, except on offense, it's a lot easier because you can just say, okay, we're not running the ball well to the outside. That's fine. Let's run between the tackles then. Right. Yeah, it, it would it would be it certainly be a fix there. Uh, let's talk about Matt Fink. Uh, Matt Fink had three interceptions. Uh, <laughs> I hmm, Two of them at the goal line. One of them uh, literally at the goal line in the sense that SC had a, a, a goal to go, and the other one was late in the game, kind of a more of a desperation shot. Um, I, I think we both kind of don't hold the last one against him in the sense of that's a desperation play. Right. It's a desperation drive. It's not as egregious as the other two. The first one is a throw that is just not there. It is not there for, for his skill set to make. Uh, maybe JT or Keaton Slovis could have made that throw, but even then, that's probably not the throw you even want to attempt. Um, well, and Keaton, then the, Keaton gets picked off. Trying the same a thing similar against BYU, against BYU. Yeah. so like, which, which isn't that funny? The first two Matt Fink interceptions we've already seen before. JT throws <laughs> yeah. the one against Fresno State. The same play happens here, um, and then Matt Fink throws the interception. Uh, you know when he's targeting Drake London on a post, which is the same thing that Keaton Slovis did for his second interception against BYU. Yeah, and it's just a bad. Th- Everyone knows, uh, at least by now you should know, that like, I, I'm partial to Matt Fink. I like him. I love his passion. I have to say, so listening to his to his interview after he lost the starting job was heart-wrenching, but he stood in front of the media and he, he you know, spoke, and you have to give him serious credit for that. Listening to Matt Fink after this loss was even more heart-wrenching. He was on the verge of tears. He was incredibly emotional. So, like, I like Matt Fink just in, just in terms of, he feels, he feels very, very deeply, you can tell. But this was an awful game by him, a god-awful. And those interceptions are the, the plays that really stand out as those as awful. Those weren't his only awful moments in the game either, but you just can't make those throws. You The, the, the first interception, you just can't make that throw. Even Keaton Slovis couldn't make that throw, and Matt Fink doesn't have Keaton Slovis' arm, so he shouldn't even be a... T- like, right. even if you have the perfect arm, JT shouldn't be attempting that throw. It's not on. It, there's got to be a better option. And yeah. the second one. It, w- it would take a perfect w- throw to do it. Yeah, and perfect, which is, perfect. And even then. The odds are per- you're going to find someone else that's going to be a little bit easier to, yeah. to to get to. But the second the second interception is, um, it is beyond awful. It is, it is just absolutely a train wreck from the word go. Well, e- even even before it, and you know, you talk about it a lot in in the in the rewatch. I don't want to completely sidestep the the rewatch here. Patreon.com slash Rain of Troy, but kind of the biggest mistake in that, or the mistakes start at the snap, which is very similar because to what JT did. Because against Fresno State, that play started to go south from the snap. JT bobbles the snap against Fresno State. And then he's like, oh, I'm just going to make my first read is my my primary option. I'm just going to, to Michael Pittman. And then he rushes it and he doesn't see the linebacker there. Uh, in this game against Washington, Fink sees the one-on-one coverage and is like, oh, yes, that's what I want, baby. That's what I want. To the point where he it's an RPO. All the linemen are pushing forward and run in a run blocking scheme 
and he doesn't even fake it to to Marquis Step. Just fake it for a second, like you're you know normally like you would do to try to draw the defender, maybe a little a hitch a a, a stutter, a anything could have been the difference between an interception and a touchdown. It wasn't. Matt Fink just goes directly to taking the snap, looking to to Michael Pittman, and throwing the interception. Yeah, it was... Honestly, this is the kind of interception that I throw when I'm playing Madden or NCAA. Oh, yeah. I've made that a million times. I have decided I am throwing the slant, and I don't care what else goes on in this game, I'm throwing the slant. And then I get the snap, and I'm just like, slant, hit the button. And then, oh, no, there's a linebacker there. Oh... That's that's what happened. That's what happened. Matt Fink uh, was not disciplined enough to 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 go through the process that he's supposed to go through on that play, and it and it resulted in disaster. And that's really a problem. And um, it cost USC points. It probably cost USC a chance to be in this game a little more because you and I, like you said, you and I both agree that last interception doesn't really matter that much because even if USC scores there, the likelihood of USC you know going ahead to tie this game still feels pretty slim but right. it, if Fink is able to uh, to put in that second touchdown then the whole game is different the whole the way it all plays out how is, does is Washington come, I would love to know I, I I just want I just want an alternate reality in which that's a touchdown pass to Pittman because yeah. I want to know what happens on the drive after yeah because how does Washington respond how does USC's how does Wa- defense respond yes does Easton come out with a with a chip on his shoulder and he's like fired up to make some plays and then Washington uses that as a wake up call to get back in the game offensively, or is that the holy crap moment for you, Dub? And then SC's defense, you know, really puts a stranglehold on that game because after the after the 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 Ahmed run, the eighty nine yard touchdown run, Washington didn't do anything in the game. Well, and that's the thing is USC didn't force Jacob Easton to beat them like. Right. Not not seriously. USC didn't test Jacob Eason's medal. And that's the only thing that I want from from USC in any given game is is to make the opposing quarterback be great in order to beat you. And USC didn't force Jacob Eason to be great in this game because USC's offense was never close enough to put pressure like UW had had a cushion this entire game so they didn't offensively they didn't have to push the you know, push the pace or anything like that. And that's the frustrating thing is that if, if USC scores that touchdown there, you do get to see that drive where Jacob Eason has pressure on him. Not not literal pressure from like USC's pass defense, I mean pass rush, although maybe that's the case, but like the pressure of knowing that USC can keep up. But the fact that USC's offense couldn't keep up the whole game makes it a lot easier for, for that side of the ball, which is where, you know, you and I have had the conversation about the performance from USC's defense. That's where I have some sympathy for USC's defense because they were facing a, a Washington offense that was sort of playing with house money. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I just I just want to know what what would what would have happened. What would have happened in the game? Uh, just to see what Washington would have, would have come out like. I mean, to their credit, I mean they were trying trick plays in the fourth quarter, so it's not like they were just going to completely be conservative, and and they certainly weren't conservative in this game at all because of that, but I don't know. It would have been interesting to see. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, it is an interception, and USC loses the game 28-14. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and look at our over-under picks and our predictions this past week. We'll be right back. 
So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right, Alicia, we joined this week. Joined this week? Entered this week. There you go. That's a better word. Uh, with me having a one-game lean, I was 15 and 12. You were 14 and 13 and over under. Your first over under was three and a half pass plays of 20 yards or more for the Huskies. They had averaged 3.75 a game. USC was allowing 3.25 a game. You said under. You said SC was going to hold them to under that three and a half. I said over. It was three. Exactly three for the Huskies. Pass plays for 20 yards or more. Yeah, and all things considered, that's not a terrible outing for USC's secondary. Certainly when you're missing Talano Hafanga and uh, and Elijah Griffin, I think that USC secondary, certainly coming out of the rewatch, was one of the areas of the game where I was most impressed. I thought they played extremely well. I thought Isaac Taylor Stewart had his best game uh, of his career so far, and uh, and there's there's just a really there's a lot to like uh, from the individuals in USC secondary, even if there are you know occasional breakdowns. I thought they did a very good job. Yeah, I have liked ITS, uh, aka it's. We I, we've learned. I am sticking hardcore with ITS. I, ITS like rolls it's? off the tongue. It's doesn't work for me. Nope. But you like Cheez-Its. I do like Cheez-Its. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I've been impressed with It's. Been impressed with It's. Uh, ever since he had that, that big play against BYU, uh, where he knocked the ball away, um, and then he ends up missing the, the Utah game, but he comes back and had a big game against Washington indeed. Uh, and, you know, we talked about how you said that they didn't make, they didn't force Eason to beat them. But I also think that was also a credit for how well the secondary played. I mean, they held him to a 119 quarterback rating, and we had talked about it. He was at over a 190 in all three of their wins coming into this game. They held him to 119, which is much closer to what Cal did to him at 98.6. So, again, that's where I said that if you were told before the game that you are going to hold Jacob Eason to a passer rating of 119, you'd be like, yep, take it. They took it. Oh, for it. sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, next one. I said over under five and a half rushes for Stephen Carr. He had been averaging six per game, but only had three against the Utes last week. You said over. I said over. It was over with seven. He had seven carries and a whole lot of yards, including a 60 yard run in the third quarter. Yeah, this was actually the game where I think USC got the balance of carries for the running backs uh, settled 10, 10, out. Seven, yeah. Yeah, that 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 feels like a really good balance. I would even like more for all three of them, but that's because I would like to see a few more runs thrown in there when they're facing that kind of defense. But uh, when you because look at I the choose the, not to run, literally yes. Uh, but when you when you look at the 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 split between all of them, I thought it, I thought the balance worked out very well. I liked it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, let's go to the next one. You said over under three and a half pass plays of twenty yards or more for USC. The Trojans have been averaging four point two five. Six <laughs> came against Utah for Matt Fink. Uh, Washington had been giving up 2.75 plays of 20-plus yards in the passing game over their first four games of the season. You said over. I said over. I think both of us expected Matt Fink to kind of live and die on the jump balls a little bit. He only took one shot deep in this game, and by God, it came through. Uh, was it a 44-yard touchdown to, to Michael Pittman? Is the lone gain of 20 plus yards in the passing game for USC. So both of us got that wrong. And that's really the game, isn't it? Uh, UW, if you ask 
what uh, what area of the game that they would be most happy to shut down. That's got to be the one. That's where the the 14 points comes from, as opposed as opposed to a couple more touchdowns in there because they didn't let USC takes the take those shots downfield. And this is one of the things where I got frustrated with USC is that I don't think they forced UW to have to live on the fly a little bit more uh, on those kinds of plays because they weren't um, committed to uh, pulling that defense up a little bit uh, to, to open to open up things down down the field. But, you know. Yeah, it that's... comes back to the running game, yeah. Yep. Uh, next one, over under 42.5% on third down conversions for the Huskies. They had been over 50% in every game, save for the loss to Cal, which was at 37.5%. USC season average going in was also at 37.5% on defense. You said under the 42.5%. I said under. It was under. SC held them to just 25%, a season low for Washington. Yeah, and that's something that on Wednesday, Clancy Pendergast was asked what he liked from the performance against UW, and he said that really the third down uh, third down performance was something that he was really pleased with and, and definitely... That's one of those things where USC is still very frustrating on defense, but they are weirdly effective for how frustrating they are. Yeah, it it, it makes no sense. You look at the advanced metrics, and yeah, they're they're horrendous for USC. But somehow, somehow, some way, they get off the field on third down. Somehow, I, don't, I have no idea how it happens. Moving on, let's go to the next one. Over under two and a half sacks for USC. The Trojans had three against everyone but Utah. Washington had given up five all season. Four of those came against their against Cal in their lone loss up to this point. Uh, you said over for USC to get over the two and a half sacks. I said under. It was under at two. And I, I got to give credit to Jacob Eason. For a guy who's not mobile... The only reason that the under paid off for me is because Jacob Eason was able to avoid a couple of sacks. He did a, a good job of moving around in the pocket. He did a good job of throwing the ball away a couple of times when he got pressured. And Clancy Pendergast said on, on Wednesday as well that they left a few sacks out there and they really should have uh, should have gotten him down a couple of times. And that's that's very true. But that that's also USC, you know, that's that's part of the yep, reason why USC's that's why USC's defense is is not. Um, at the level that they need to be yet because they're still in that phase where they're close, but no cigar. And in order to win this game, you really needed to, they were getting some pressure on Jacob Eason, but they weren't finishing that pressure. And that's been the story the whole time. And you could sort of write that off against Tyler Huntley because he's, he's quick and you could write that off against Jorge Reina because he's, he's quick, but uh, you know, someone like Jacob Eason, you got to be able to bring him down. Yeah. He shouldn't be as slippery as Huntley. It, yeah, like you like you said, you you can rationalize not bringing down T- Tyler Huntley because he's so good. Uh, Eason, that is not his game. His game is with his arm. Last one over under four and a half tackles for loss for Washington. They had averaged three against FBS opponents coming in, but SC was allowing four point two five a game uh, that they were allowing. We both said over, and it was over five. Washington had five tackles for loss in this game. Yeah, and this is this is one of those things when we talk about USC's uh, running game. This is part of the problem why they can't rely on the running game because they are too prone. They don't give up a lot of sacks. USC ranks very very highly when it comes to the sacks they give up. So the majority of the tackles for loss that they that they concede are in the running game, and those are when your when your running game is is as feast or famine as as USC's is, then you're not going to be able to rely on it the way that you really need to in order to have it be effective. 
Yep, that's true. You gotta get you gotta get snuff those out. Um, get something. Get two instead of negative one. That's like a gain of three yards, I think. Mm-hmm. Not a math major, but I think so. <laughs> um, let's get into the final tally here. Uh, you went four and two. I went four and two. Means yet again, you're not picking up any ground on me. Uh, so I am 19 and 14 for the season. You are 18 and 15. One game behind still. That's right. With half Thank a you. season to play. Thanks for just acknowledging that you're in second place. That's great. Hmm. Makes you feel good and wholesome inside. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, let's go to game predictions. Uh, Bill Connolly's metrics had the Huskies by 12. Vegas had the Huskies by 10 and a half. Uh, lo and behold, Washington won by 14. Your prediction was USC would win the game. I, I actually think this is a case of optimistic, Alicia. You said USC was going to win 26-25. I said Washington was going to win by 10, 31-21. Uh, it was Washington 30, sorry, 28-14. to 14. Yeah, you might have gotten this prediction right, but you did very, very quickly lose our bet that had no stakes, which was that uh, USC would not have a game this season where they scored less than three touchdowns. So, so I, I just want to talk about this really quick. Yeah, you, you are going to bring up the whole, but I said injuries and all that kind of stuff. And we specifically during that conversation discussed the idea of quarterback injuries because well, I said... no. I, I said that that losing Keaton to an injury wasn't going to make a difference because the quarterback's not supposed to matter. So that's not the point I was going to break up, bring up, but thank you. Okay. Uh, the other point I was going to bring up was, and I, I get that this is ridiculous, but hear me out. I would argue that it wasn't the offense that didn't oh score those three God. touchdowns. The, the, it wasn't the offensive scheme that didn't score those three touchdowns. SC scores three touchdowns if Matt Fink doesn't make that mis- that 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 error okay but again the conversation was simply would usc have a game where usc doesn't i didn't say usc scheme won't be able to generate three touchdowns we said will they score three touchdowns in every game and you said yes and i said no i know i get it i'm not saying i didn't lose you didn't name your terms though so you're getting i didn't yeah your fault your fault uh let's go to the pick uh this past week you went 12 and 8 which tied you for 16th on the week I went to beautiful 14 and 6, which tied me for third to date. You're 62 and 52, tied for 55th, way down there. I'm 77 and 37, tied for sixth. Pretty good, I'd say. The leader from the week was our pal LA Fred. He went 16 and 4. Pretty solid, buddy. Uh, he wins the week, the only person to have at least 16 correct picks. The leader to date. Again, with the greatest name of all time and still number one in the Pick'em League, scantily clad Peristyle with a record of 82 and 32. And second is Kangaroo 30 at 81 and 33. And number three is the Labreatar Pitbulls at 80 and 34. All three of those uh, within a couple of games. We've got some, so we've got some consistently good pickers here in the, in the Pick'em uh, this year. So should be fun to see how this all plays out. I unfortunately you're, you're, you're am not me that among that, them, right? You're including me. I I am not including you among them. No, I'm tied for third last week. Tied for sixth overall. I'm pretty yeah, good. Sounds sounds like it dropped, buddy. <sighs> you just hating. You're hating. <laughs> Miss pretty much. 55th. Yeah. Well, I mean, I screwed myself over by not making picks that one <laughs> time. Yeah. Struggle. Yeah, see what we should do is drop the highest, the best, and the and the worst weeks. Yeah. There you go. 
We're going to have a, an email about that later. Are you going to send that email? <laughs> about how we should do that? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, uh, let's let's take a quick break. We'll come right back and get into a giant mailbag we got. We'll be right back. You've got mail. All right, let's start with the voicemail we got from Martin in Santa Barbara. Alicia and Michael, my, 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 I just listened to the car cast. <laughs> Alicia, thank you so much for finally breaking down and saying what we've all been feeling for over four years, that we just need to scrape our shoes and move on. And we need to do it quickly because we're losing recruits. And, by the way, it doesn't even matter if we get recruits, apparently, because we can't do anything with them. We have all the talent all across the board. We have talent on O. We have talent on D. But we can't do anything. Look at Wisconsin. Bunch of three stars. They stomp everybody on defense because they're coached well. But apparently we're not. And that's all I have to say. Alicia, you said it for me. So I'm just going to play the car cast again. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye. <laughs> thanks for the thanks for the call, Martin. Michael, that is the voice of a, a USC fan who has clearly reached the end of their rope, is it not? It is, which is very similar <laughs> to what your voice sounds like in the car cast. Pretty much. Pre- I, tr- Martin, I, I, I empathize. I empathize very, very clearly with you. I, uh, yeah, I've reached the end of my rope too, so <laughs> that's where we're at. Indeed. Uh, let's go to a voicemail we got from Chris. This is Chris from Ohio. All I have to say is, Alicia, you are fire. Michael, you kind of suck. Uh, she might need a new partner for the show because she's hitting on what everybody else is thinking. So you better get in. You better get with it or else she might need a new partner. Peace. All right. Thanks for the call, Chris. Uh, Chris says I suck or might suck. Um, this is just one call we got and we got several tweets uh, telling me that not to be on the podcast anymore, that I don't know what I'm saying, all this stuff from the car cast because, Alisa, you obliterated me on the car cast, according to everybody on Twitter. <laughs> well, this is true. I did obliterate you on the car cast, but I take offense to anyone acting like I need a new par- podcast partner or that this Hold podcast you, would you be better have, no, without you. Oh, wait, stop, stop, stop. It would be better without me. That's it beside would, the point. It absolutely would not. If, if it, you it if you are be. listening to this and think that this podcast would be even slightly improved without Michael on it, then you are smoking something because I can tell you the no, only it would reason be. it would be people listen for you, not for me. I get it. I completely no, understand. See, see, what people don't understand is that like in in the car cast scenario and in these scenarios, I am the running back who is given the, the handoff and has the speed to, to hit the hole and, and, and run. But I need my fullback in front of me clearing the way. And that's what you do, Michael. You are you are the the unheralded, uh, you know, one who makes it all happen, who but makes I, it all possible. But am I the H-back? Am I able to get from the left all the way over to the right and you're able to hit the hole? I don't know. If not, well, then it's on me. If if I'm asking you as the H back to get all the way across the line to so that I have to wait to hit the hole, then it's a problem with the play calling. This is when this is this is the Stephen Carr run to the right when they run to Eric Cromenhoek's side and Cromenhoek no, and not, not to Eric Cromenhoek's side because he's on the other side and he's just been asked to run the opposite way. No, no, no. On the oh, one no, no, that you're talking about the, the sixty Carr, yard run, the okay. sixty yard right. one that Stephen Carr breaks, they run to the right. 
and Eric Cromenhoek and uh, Jalen McKenzie and I think it's I think it's Jalen McKenzie and, and and Eric Cromenhoek absolutely demolish and open a huge hole. And you know Eric Cronhoeks and and Jalen McKenzie aren't going to get a ton of credit for that because people are paying attention to what Stephen Carr does. But you don't get that run unless you have those blocks. So that's how I feel about your contributions to the show. And I mean, you got mad at me for defending you on Twitter, but like I think people misinterpret your sort of perspective on everything because like the idea that you aren't just as demoralized and like well, done with everything is so is pretty I, funny to me. I found it humorous the amount of people who thought that I was defending Clay Helton in the car cast. Yeah. That's that's not that's, that's literally the opposite of what, what I was, was going on. I was saying that there was no reason to believe in this team and I was saying that you were fooling yourself for believing that they would even win this game, which is the clear opposite yeah. of of the whole thing here. I am I'm firmly in the camp of you know prove prove it to me that that, that you're better, right? And I was going to give SC a chance at the beginning of the year. They have not proved to me that they are better, and so there's no reason to buy in. And there's no reason I, to, to change my opinion that, you know, a, a game like at, at Washington that they were going to lose, and they lost. And so, to me, that's just... that. I don't understand the point of getting all worked up over it. Not, right. in, the sense, not in the sense that it's not bad. More, more in the sense of... Yeah, we should have known that they were going to lose because this team isn't good enough. And so Right. And I, you maybe you, I'm not you communicating off, that well enough. Sure. You came maybe. on you came off as you were as though you were defending the defense too, which you you definitely in the, were. In in the but beginning that of the show. Very yeah. much, that was very much in response to you didn't understand why I had chosen to, you know, take a sledgehammer to the defense when the offense was as bad as it was. Um right. or when everything else that went wrong in that game went wrong. So, I don't know. The moral of the story know. is I suck and I shouldn't be on the podcast. The, the moral of the it. story is if you if if you are listening to this and think that Michael is not a valuable part of this po- of this podcast, then I'm, I'm really not. Uh, so. I don't I don't know what to do with you, but straight up, uh, you're you're wrong. Straight up, you're wrong. If, no, you, if I, you like what I what I'm bringing to the table, then you got to get on board with Michael too, because I'm on board with Michael. So deal with it. No, I, I it would be better. It'd be people listen for you, not for me. We, we, we've established Please. this. And I get it. I get it. Please. I'm terrible. I, I get it. Uh, anyway, I'm the, the opposite of uh, Mr. Roger Dangerfield. I'm like, yeah, I know. Don't give me respect. I get it. You're making a reference that I don't get. That's fine. You don't get Rodney Dangerfield? I don't I don't get the what you're saying about it. His whole thing was I get no respect around here. Oh, okay. So I'm saying the opposite. Do you get no respect around here? You no, I'm saying no don't give me any here? respect around here because don't you're the don't st- put you're respect the, on your name. You're the star of the show, not me. Hmm. And I'm fine. I'm the fullback. I get that. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be email from David. Uh, hey, Michael and Lacey, I know we are on our third string quarterback, but I'm really starting to have second thoughts about this so card called air raid attack. I'm sick of seeing the five to seven yard curl routes in the sideline or the short slants in the middle of the field. The offense feels so vanilla. Why not run more variations, such as a swing pass to Michael Pittman in the red zone or a jet sweep with Valus Jones? Why not have a double back set with Carr and Step in the shotgun? But no, instead they decide to throw a fade on fourth and goal to freshman Drake London. Why not a zone read with the possible rollout to the right for Fink with, with a wide receiver slash tight end crossing route? 
again, we saw a lack of execution on the offensive side, which is so frustrating. Kudos to the defense. They gave us plenty of chances. Love listening to the podcast and keep up the great work, guys. David from San Diego. I love this email because it has so many different facets here. Uh, one, I think that the there's a misconception on, on the air raid. If you watch Mike Leach's air raid offense, maybe not necessarily from this year because they're actually really explosive this year, but before, you know, historically, the air raid is boring because it's just Dinkin and Duncan. And it's not having these big outlandish, big chunk plays, these creative explosive plays that that do all these things. Now, what SC wants to do is not that Mike Leach boring curls and slants, dink and dunk offense. But I think when they get into these these ruts where they're going against the defense, like what Washington was doing to them, where they're dropping eight guys back, they end up being as boring as possible. And I fully agree. I think that when you get inside the, the when you have a first and goal at the nine or whatever that was on, on the second to last drive in the game, why are you running up the middle on every single play when you know you're going to get stuffed? Where is the Valus Jones fly sweep? I understand that you know they didn't do it right last year, uh, and it was so predictable when Valus Jones came in the game, but maybe if you use Valus Jones more and maybe Drake London a little bit less and you just balance those guys out a little bit more, maybe you can drink, bring in Valus Jones and it wouldn't be obvious that it would be a jet sweep. Okay, so two things on this. One, Also um, more screens, please. Well, two things. One, the running with Marquis Step thing, like for me, the whole like, why are you running the ball right up the middle at the goal line thing is always a reflection of the execution. Because sure, for instance, sure, but when you do it three times in a row and it doesn't do anything, that right. third time's a problem. But each one of those three times in a row that they got stuffed, it was a different person making the mistake that caused the play to get blown up. But there were still um, so, mistakes happening. Right. Like, so, but but don't again, don't throw this, the fate like, on fourth down. The fate should be on second down. You know what well, I mean? But but again, this is this goes back to our conversation earlier in this episode where I was saying run the ball more, and you're saying like, well, you don't know if that's going to actually yield anything. Well, yeah, that's the problem. Is the execution has to be there for any of these things to work in the red zone. The second point I have to say about this, aside from that, which is just execute and you'll and you'll get into the end zone, is that I agree with David here in that. The things that we saw in practice, the things that they were doing in practice, that's not what we've seen so far with USC's red zone uh, attack. That fade to Drake London, I cannot. Now, granted, I haven't been watching practice during the season because we only get to see the first 20 minutes, so we don't see a lot of plays. But in spring and fall camp, that's not what we saw ever. That is not the play that we've ever seen them do at at the goal line. There have been a lot of other things that have felt very effective um, but that is not one of them. And um, the idea of using um, a double back set is, you know, not just in the not just at the goal line, but anywhere. We saw that in practice. So, again, I don't know where it is. We saw I don't it earlier know. in the season, too. Yeah. So I think there are a lot of things that they're not utilizing at this point that would be I, I would be in favor of them utilizing. But when it comes down to it, everything that they do everything that they do our perception of it will be colored by whether or not it worked because if they if they did a jet sweep to Valus Jones if that gets blown up because someone misses a block what We're is the all first here response saying what a dumb idea it was yeah exactly yeah so yeah, everything sure. comes down to execution and the problem that USC has is not necessarily the plan that they have it's that they've been incapable of having consistent execution 
not just this year, but last year and the year before that. So, you know, none of this really works out the way that you want it to. But it it goes beyond just the why did you run this play or that play? It, It really comes down to like, why weren't your players prepared enough to execute that play in that particular moment? Well, I, I think also when you preach that this is an execution offense, yeah, exactly, over and over and over and over and over again. Well, then the players better execute, or else, you know, like like that's the narrative they've decided on. So, if they're not executing, then how are you going to get them to execute? You got to find a way. Uh, it's good. An email from Jake. Hi, Alicia and Michael. I was listening to the post game carcast, and Michael brought up a way to analyze the running back production that I've been using, but no one else seems to use. The scientific term for what Michael's referring to is trimming, and it's used extremely frequently in scientific research. Essentially, you remove the outlier data to provide a more accurate average for results. For consistency, this is often just the top and bottom result. Otherwise, one outlier throws off all of your data. For a running back, I want to know how they're doing on an average run. Not a crazy high number just because they hit one big run, like Stephen Carr. Uh, since they don't publish a table of yards per play, my workaround is to drop the top and bottom run for each running back. The top run is easy since it's always listed. For convenience, I just assume that the bottom run was zero. For example, on the box sheet, you see only 91 yards on seven runs with a long of 80 for Stephen Carr. The average yards per run is 13. In reality, the runs were negative 2, 0, 0, 3, 4, 6, and 80. Uh, removing the long of 80 plus and then reducing the two runs, the top run, and just assume that the low was 0 for convenience, but the low is not always published, you end up with 11 yards on five runs. That gives you 2.2 yards per play, which is more representative of how the back actually performed. You can still use both averages, but this provides a different type of clarity. Just remember that these numbers will always be lower than the regular run average, so you'll need to compare apples to apples when comparing players. It also works for teams as a whole. I remove the quarterback runs first, and those are usually passing plays. You can also possibly remove the top two and bottom two if there are a lot of runs. It's also useful to analyze quarterback passing performance. That's all except for one more important question. Best cheese it flavor. Go. Fight on, Jake. Thank you, Jake, for the email. Uh, the answer to the best Cheez-It que- uh, question is very simple. It is the original Cheez-It, uh, but I will also accept the extra toasty Cheez-Its. No, extra uh, toasty is trash. It's original if you're, for sure. If, honestly, my biggest problem with the other Cheez-It flavors is they might be good, but none of them are as good as the original. So what's even the point? It, the white cheddar is very good, but I'm not eating a white cheddar thing and thinking... Oh, I'm eating Cheez-Its. I'm thinking I'm eating white cheddar crackers of some sort. They're not Cheez-Its. It's the same thing we've talked about with Oreos. Golden Oreos are good. Very good, even. Elite, I'd even say. They're not Oreos. They shouldn't be called Oreos. Same thing with the white cheddar uh, Cheez-Its. But let's get back to the running back total, shall we? Okay, so I just went through and tallied, uh, because I had tweeted you all of USC's run gains in this game. I tallied them up. I subtracted the plus 60 of Stephen Carr to trim it, and I subtracted the minus 2 of Marquis Step to trim it, and I got 149 yards. That's on 25 carries. That means USC's backs average 5.96 yards per carry when you trim. Now, take out the 35-yard gain by, by Step and another negative. Okay, so 149 minus 35 
And then the other another negative was let's see if there's another minus two. Let me just double check. So that's a, a minus one. So one fifteen. And we're now at if that last one was twenty five, we're now at twenty three. Yeah. Five yards per carry. Okay. All right. So again, my, my point stands. USC has a lot of okay, so just let's just let's just do this. I am literally going to sit here and read out all of USC's gains in this game on the ground. Two, can, can nine, you, hold, hold four. On. Can, you, can you please read it like the, uh, like from the nineties that that the girl who won the spelling bee? Remember that? I don't know what you're talking e- about. E N. Oh. <laughs> y. Two <laughs> nine. No, you don't have to actually do that. No. Two <laughs> nine four two fifteen four zero zero negative one. Four three negative one seven three sixty eight two fifteen seven negative two six twelve thirty five four six two one. That is well, they were, a. They, they were definitely better in the second half. Yes, but but we're still talking a lot of jumping back and forth between a four yard gain and a zero yard gain, a four yard gain and a minus one yard gain. Like that kind of inconsistency will bury your offense. Yeah, at the at the same point though, I remember the Oregon offense at their peak when they're running the blur, and Michael James came to the Coliseum in 2010, and I remember thinking, "Wow, SC really stopped Michael James. Like, he had a couple of long runs, but like everything else was just shut down. And if you looked at his runs, he ended up with like 250 yards or something like that. <laughs> but but it was like two, three, three, two, three, two, three, thirty-five. Two, three, three, four, two, two, three, two, two, three, fifty-six, and it's it's like if you can rely on that, you can rely on that, I guess. But at, at some point, uh, you need to get your yards. SC got their yards in this game, but you you'd like to you'd like it to be a little bit more consistent, just a little bit, a little bit. Uh, let's go to an email from John in Azusa. Uh, hi, Michael and Alicia. Me and my sister and dad went to the game in the cold Pacific Northwest. I want to say I completely agree with what both of you said on the car cast. Yes, the de- defense was decent, considering the predicaments the offense put them in. But yes, sufficient is not good enough at USC. And that offense, yeah, that offense. One last comment. I think both of you represent how I feel as a fan. The Michael in me knows I shouldn't get reeled into knowing what this team is. The Alicia in me is just passionate about the team and the possibilities of what they can accomplish, but is sorely disappointed for believing. You are both right. At this point, my head is winning out, and I'm starting to lose interest knowing this team is just medium, as Alicia has so aptly put it. So, as Helton says, so what, now what? Unfortunately, I think we know the answer already. Fight on and keep up the great work, John in Azusa. Thanks for the email, John. And and yeah, I think I, I agree. I think there's room for sort of both interpretations of, of things. And we are, as fans, all sort of heads and hearts, uh, you know, fighting with each other, wrestling with each other over over different uh, feelings that this team is uh, is pulling out of us. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, guys. Uh, the the future holds what it holds and we'll sort of see. But uh, that's the. The big struggle right now, right, is the mediumness. This reminds me of a vine. You're not a large. You're an extra medium. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I love it. Uh, shout out to uh, Sarah Shower. Uh, email from John in Oakland. Hi, Alicia and Michael. While I'm disappointed with USC's loss to Washington, I'm willing to take a more measured reaction this time. 
USC was expected by all the experts to lose this road game to the reigning Pac-12 champions. USC is not even halfway through a season of major change, 80% different coaches, and a completely new offensive system. Also, it's playing the third-string quarterback or a backup true freshman quarterback. This is a really young team, especially on the offensive line, reversing direction so soon making after making so many drastic changes and bringing in another new offensive scheme and coaching staff just dooms next season. And for those wanting Urban Meyer, that is not going to happen. I've seen media reports that Dr. Fult is a no-go on him. Any AD candidate that tells Dr. Fult during interviews that he slash she is okay with hiring Meyer is not getting hired by the scandal-averse Dr. Fult. Under these realities, I think that Helton has two more losses to give before any new athletic director would replace him. An outside professional career AD who knows how hard it is to win in big-time college football will look at last year's 5-7 and seven with a real true freshman quarterback versus an 8-4 and four this year with a true freshman quarterback as a sign that Helton is going in the right direction. This is, is especially true if the AD can't hire the only home run head coach out there in Urban Meyer. The new AD, if they're currently employed as an AD, probably won't be in place until December at the earliest, just the final reason I see Helton coming back if the team is 8-4. and four. If I'm the new AD with no history at USC, I wouldn't want my tenure defined by a rash of firing a head coach that appeared to have things turning around, going from 5-7 and seven to 8-4. and four. I would want to see my own, with my own eyes how the program was being run and how Helton was doing as a head coach. Fight on, John, in Oakland. Thanks for the email, John. And uh, take this with the, the clearest sign of respect, but I do not want to live in the universe that you have just painted there. Just being honest, I, I don't want to live in that universe. I think it is a it, it is a plausible uh, scenario where the AD comes in and they don't have... This, you know the, the, what this gets down to? Dennis Dodd on Wednesday put out his uh, hot coach, the sorry, the hot seat rankings uh, for the this this past week. And he talked about how like Clay Helton's basically getting a raw deal that uh, he deserves better and that it's it's uh, people are being too harsh on him considering the true freshman quarterback and all the kind of stuff that John has has laid out. And um, I I put on Twitter like. Yeah, the only way that you get to have that perspective is if you take this season out of the context of all the previous seasons and all of the games and all of the drives and all of the plays that we've seen USC have over the last five years under Clay Hilton. If you if you remove yourself from that context, then yes, you can look at it and say, man, USC fans and everybody's being way harsh on this dude. Let's just give him a chance. And there's a possibility that a new AD comes in if they're totally unrelated to USC like we hope they are that they might come in and have that perspective. So this is this is perfectly reasonable. Except that from like my perspective having watched every game of this era twice, uh having sat through practices and press conferences and heard the same compl- I mean the same explanations and the same we'll get it fixed, we'll get it fixed, we'll get it fixed, we'll get it fixed every single week over and over and over again and then seeing the same problems that USC had every single season and and not just like not just the same problems they had in 2018 but the same problems they had in 2017 and the same problems they had in 2016 that were you know cracks that were papered over at times uh the same problems they had in 2015 it just uh, you know it it's very tiresome for us the people who are really really close to it uh but i think john does lay out a really really horrific 
possibility, which, you know, like last year when I was sort of explaining as much as I would get rid of Hilton there and then in part because I didn't want to have to be installing a new offense when USC goes and faces or a new and a bunch of new systems when USC goes and faces Alabama next year. Uh, so just get, you know, let let the new coach settle in in 2019 and give them a chance to to get their stuff together. Um, uh, that uh, th- th- that scenario, you know, I could I could have I predicted the way the way Lynn Swan would make his decision at the end of that season to keep Clay Hilton. I hope that John is less right than I was about the uh, the Lynn Swan thing here with with projecting forward what's going on with the AD. But I just keep going back to like, I hope not. Can I just say I don't think that SC is a young team. No, they are not. Absolutely not. One hundred. The idea that USC is a young team is a cop out. One hundred percent. I think it's strictly about the the quarterback. And and the other thing is, yeah, I completely agree with Dennis Dodd. If, hold on, wait for it. Did you just if, say that statement? Hold on. If no other season but this year happened, because yeah, like on the surface, oh, Clay Helton's a. If you know that he has a hot seat coming in. And then he goes three and two with the two losses being with a second string and a third string quarterback, and they throw interceptions. And if you if you if this was a different school that you weren't watching all the games, I can completely see how that you get to that realization. But like we like we point out, like the reason SC lost this game wasn't strictly because of the interceptions. I think the interceptions played a huge role in this game. But like, is is SC a better team even if they win this game? Like. No, like if if those interceptions don't happen, is SC a drastically better team? No. Well, and that's that's like, like, like that exactly that's the, the heart of my concern here is that even if USC was five and zero, oh, I'd still be sitting here saying like let's let's flip the script. USC uh, doesn't get the interception against BYU. USC scores a touchdown in overtime to win that game barely. And I don't think you need to switch a, a whole lot to have no. SC at five and zero. Oh. But that's my point is if USC and, is 5-0... But, and oh, but, but they're not a better team in doing so. Yeah, if, if USC is 5-0, and oh, they don't need to be a better team to be 5-0. and oh, But I can still look at that 5-0 and oh with skepticism going like, uh, this this feels a little bit shaky here. This little, feels like it's built tiger, on yeah. sand. Right. Yeah, because, I, I, because I Because so agree. many of the same problems still exist. Yes. And, and they're, they're problems that... Yeah, I, I can... I can see why Clay Helton didn't make wholesale changes after 2017 because they still won the Pac-12. I I could I could get that, and I could I could I could see why Lin Swan brought him back, even if I disagreed with it. And I said last you know last year I, I agreed with you that you needed they needed to just get rid of Clay Helton at that point. They didn't do that, and they brought him back. I'm like, okay, well if you're going to bring him back, then let's see what he can do to fix these things. And and unfortunately for him, there's been the quarterback issues, but again. We've seen JT make the same mistakes that that Slovis made, and we've seen Fink make the same mistakes that Slovis made. So it's time, man. It, it is. It is time. It is time. Uh, at this point, I think Helton's got like one loss left, not not two. Um, but yeah, John makes makes a good point that an outside AD could see things completely differently. Uh, take a quick break. We'll come right back and let's go to an email we got from Matt. So we'll be right back. You've got mail. 
All right, here's what Matt had to say. Alicia and Michael, I'm a 26-year-old Southern California native living in Covington, Washington. Last weekend, I invited my older brother to come up from Phoenix to see the Trojans play the Huskies. As diehard Trojan fans, my brother and I have always been vocal when it comes to our team's performance, both good and bad. However, we sat in the stadium and watched USC put together yet another lackluster showing, Something and something unusual had happened. For the first time, I had fallen silent. Rather than getting angry at USC for their inability to convert on red zone drives or square up with the backs and receivers on defense, I instead I just sat there morally defeated as I attempted to navigate myself through the god-awful streets of Seattle. So shout out to you, Alicia, I think. Uh, for the first time ever, I could honestly say that watching USC felt more like a chore than a leisurely activity. Uh, after listening to the CarCast on Sunday, I realized that my problem does not lie with USC being bad, but simply them being average, or medium, as Alicia put it. The cliche, the cliche, you win some, you lose some, truly encapsulates what USC has been over the last couple of years, doing just enough to prevent real change from happening. And while I do love hearing Alicia rant after a bad game, I'm starting to feel less catharsis from venting as Helton and USC continue to just go through the motions. With potentially another mediocre season rearing its ugly head, my question for the two of you is this. How do fans currently deal with USC being medium? Is it possible for us to temper out expectations for this team, or are we likely to face the same level of frustration week after week? I would love to hear your thoughts on this on the podcast. Thank you and fight on. Sincerely, Matt from Washington. You know, I... I like this email a lot. One of the things that I think is is a little interesting is the idea that, you know, SC being too good for changes but but not good enough to truly win. I think the saving grace in that situation is the 5 and 7. Because I think that we talked about it last year. SC was better than 5 and 7. They should have been 7 and 5. Uh, they should have won the ASU game. They should have won the Cal game. I don't think it's unreasonable that they should have won those two games. They, they lose the Cal game because of a bad snap. They lose the ASU game because they gave up a 92-yard punt return. I, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that they should have won those two games. If they're 7-5, and five, I don't know that Clayton goes out and makes the, the changes that, that John and Oakland's talking about, the 80% different coaching staff and all that kind of stuff. I don't think that happens. So, yeah, they're they're not SC is not bad enough to give in you know big major changes like a, like at the head coaching position, but they've at least been bad enough last year to for to force Clay Helton into a do or die season this year. To prompt change that way because they could have gone seven and five last year. They could have gone eight and four, and been just as 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 good in in or bad in, in on the eye test last year and just found ways to to scrape through and barely win those games but they didn't and that those losses are on the record books i think is a good thing if you're looking for change right unless you consider john oakland's scenario where you don't get change because you right. get in four because of those changes and you just extend this purgatory out even further, and that's where I think that uh, that I feel I feel for Matt. I, this is something that I said in the in the car cast after the Fresno State game. Like, uh, I, I I'm I'm honestly Matt. Like, it's fortunate that this was the first time that it felt like a chore because I can tell you, watching USC has felt like a chore for me since 2017. Like, 
this has been two years. I don't know. I, I like I don't know about you, Michael, but like it's been two years for me of most of the Saturdays, uh, which are supposed to be college football Saturdays, which are supposed to be awesome. Um, a lot of them have been chores. And uh, because of the nature of my job, Sundays become a huge chore, too, because I have to rewatch the crap. Uh, so it's it's you know, I, that's what I said in, in the Fresno State car cast. Like, I don't blame anybody if they're turning off, if they're just saying this is not fun anymore. So why do I put myself through this? Um, I think that's the problem with with like, I totally get your point. But the problem with this year is that even though those changes have come, you still have the stink of last year and those feelings right. from last year, that bitterness. And they that I think, even though they've had the change, they haven't had the results from the change. Not, not, not enough. Not enough. Like there hasn't right. been something, anything drastic enough for you to feel like, okay, so they're actually moving in a in a direction that's different. Where like I come out of these first five games thinking like, okay, so they they haven't really moved in any drastic different ever in in, a, in any drastic, uh, different direction everything is still pretty much exactly what it was I I do think this team is better than last year's already I think after five games it's clear to me this team is better than last year but, but marginally being better than so, a five and seven team is different than being be. better than a seven and five team you know what yeah I mean? yeah uh but I think they are better than the seven and five that we agree that USC probably was last year um I think that that there's a lot of pieces that you that you have to like about and this is what's so frustrating here's so Matt asks, how do you deal with USC being medium? And I think that you take my <laughs> take my rant uh, after the Washington game and sort of set it to the side because I'm about to do something that's totally opposite that. I think the key is to focus on the individual players and what there is to like about them. For instance, on defense, as much as I railed against the defense uh, on, on Saturday... There are a lot of players to like on that defense. A lot. Like we talked about Isaac Taylor Stewart. Um, there's a lot to like about Elijah Griffin, about Chris Steele. Uh, there's there's a lot to like about, you know, there, there's little things to like about Greg Johnson and Chase Williams as much as they can be frustrating. Uh, J2 Hot Fele damn, and, that defense. J2 Fele and Marlon Tupelotu are really, How long really, are you going to take to get to Talanoa Hufanga? Well, Talanoa Hufanga was injured against UW, but yeah, Talanoa Hufanga is, is a joy to watch. You know, just sort of like, I think you have to focus on the individuals. Enjoy watching Michael Pittman. Enjoy Michael Pittman's triumphs. Um, and maybe sit back and accept, uh, I, I think you do have to accept that nothing you do as a fan, and this is this is something that's hard for, I think, fans to grasp, nothing you do as a fan will impact <laughs> what happens in the end? Um, I, I unless you are a multi-million dollar donor who has the ear of of the board of trustees, chances are you won't be able to determine where USC goes from here. Um, but you can still choose how you then filter through all of these things, and the wins, the the results are always going to be frustrating. You just sort of, sort of have to accept that, but. So long as you still care about the players, I think you can still have that emotional connection to this team. And I think for me, like that's how you get through the medium is to say, you know what? These players deserve my uh, support and and sort of keep it at that as as long as you can stomach it. Yeah, I, I would say you strip out all expectations. Yeah, 100%. Stop expecting anything. 
And then when you do that, you're able to enjoy anything also. Um, if you take out no, if you have no expectations about this team, if you go into Notre Dame expecting that they're going to be bad, be dead inside. That, yeah, be dead inside. And expecting that they're going to lose that game. Then if they lose by a touchdown and there's a couple of highlight real plays in the game, you walk away from it thinking, eh, that wasn't so bad. Uh, that's not, And that's not caping for, for Clay Helton. That's just being to the point of you have no expectations because you've already resigned your fan. And, and this is the, the viewpoint that I've been putting out there for a while is if you resign your, yourself to the point of this is just what it is and it's going to have to get fixed at the end of the season because there's, there's no point in fi- there's no way to fix it at this point given that they've not proven that they can make these changes in the middle of the season then you just strip out all expectations you you register the the highs and lows for what they are um and you just take it game by game and maybe that ta- I think it takes out a lot of the the um the joy of what college football is, and, and you know, you've you've said that, Alicia, that you know these these Saturdays have felt like chores the last couple of years, and I think that's it's the same way for people that are going to games and watching games on TV than you know us that are like working these games. I, I think that that's the same universally there, but I just say just trip out all expectations, and then if they if they if they win, then it's you know. It's it's you can enjoy that win a little bit more, like like the Utah game. If you win the game, expecting them to to lose and expecting them to get blown out by a better team, and they win, you know, that that, that well, feels a little better, I guess. Specific specific to the Utah game, I think for me, embrace the ridiculousness of it too, because I really enjoyed the Utah game yeah. because it was so stupid. Like, right, it was a dumb football game. It was a dumb football game, and dumb yeah. football games are the best. Like you I am, the, I am here for the dumb weirdest football, thing. So. You know, the the football gods are hilarious. SC had no business winning that game against Utah. No, no, no business. <laughs> no, everything uh, about that game was stupid. And and like I said that on the carcast, it was stupid, and I loved yeah. it. And, and then Utah did nothing but edge the entire game and couldn't score. And yet here was SC doing the same exact same thing, thing against yep. Washington. Not nearly to the to the same ridiculous effect of the game just being so close because Washington was able to put it away with that long touchdown run. But let's just say they don't get that touchdown run. Then it would have literally been the same game. Minus like the weird safety. So. Weird. Just weird. Just yep. weird. Weird is uh, good. Let's go to an email we got from Tito. Uh, hello, Rod. Long time listener. First time writer. Two questions. A. Have you heard any names being thrown out for the AD vacancy and B what's the vibe around the program after the loss against UW? Um, the, the names that I've heard about the AD vacancy are, are sort of the, the familiar things you're seeing from like national writers, uh, John Wilner from the San Jose Mercury news as well. A lot of PAC 12 names. Um, the, the, the one that's getting a lot of, uh, fervor right now is, is, uh, Patrick Chun, but I don't know how much that is wishful thinking because he has a connection to Urban Meyer. Uh, he's the AD over at Wazoo. Uh, so uh, the Colorado AD, I think, is also one that I've that I've heard a bit about that I think is is intriguing. Um, but it, it you know what ADs, I like. You know what I like that I don't know any of these names. Yeah, I, I like that, that I don't that's know. That's kind of a good thing. 
I, I, I like that I don't know the Colorado's the Colorado AD's name <laughs> or any 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 of these AD's names. That's generally a good thing. Uh, yeah, you're, you're I, not talking I, about Matt Liner. You're not talking about uh, uh, Ronnie Lott. Yeah, Marcus Allen. You know, uh, yeah. and and USC just hired a John Wilner reported this on Wednesday that USC hired a a, a hiring firm. Um, which in other circumstances has been annoying, except this one actually has a really, really good track record. And my favorite line that I, I tweeted about on uh, on Wednesday from the, the from the piece was that uh, this this hiring firm is basically does very in the box hires, i.e. in the one the examples that they laid out there. Um, they hired, you know, someone who was a experienced uh, in the box, you know, A.D., which is exactly what USC needs. So that sounds that sounds good to me. But the fact of the matter is, like when it comes to ADs, I don't know what makes a good AD hire except for they have AD experience. So it makes it really hard yeah. to sort of comment on the vacancy at this point. Yeah, I, I think that I, I think that you could have success with an out of box out of the box hire. Like like for instance, Condoleezza Rice. I think she could do the job. I, I think that she could do the job probably pretty well, but she doesn't have AD experience. So yeah, like, and we know her and, name. And, yeah, and we know her name. And SC's in a position to where you probably shouldn't be doing hiring someone without AD experience. Just just hire, make the 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 most boring hire of all time in the sense that you're doing it by the book, rather than hiring someone for flashy reasons. Hire yeah. a coach for flashy reasons, not your AD. That makes sense. Yeah, does, yeah, does that sound sure. weird? You know what I mean, right? Like, yeah. Well, you you want you know you don't want to hire a coach that we've never heard of. Um, yeah. But you but you want to hire an AD that we've never heard of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a- SC can hire the- Manuel Douglas. That's that's fine with me. I mean, I've heard of him, but you you probably yeah. never heard of him. No. Two time no. state champ. No. Uh, I know that's the Narbonne head coach, right? Legendary Narbonne coach, right, even yeah, though he's right. not the Narbonne coach right now, but yes. Right, right. Uh, but as for the second question from Tito, uh, what is the vibe around the program? Honestly, it's it's the same, which I think is not good uh, in the in, in the sense that everything is very casual. There's, I, I, would, I would call it shruggy. Everything's around SC is shruggy. Always. Perpetually, that is, that's the vibe. That is the vibe. Um, that's going to wrap up this episode. Thanks for listening as always. Uh, Alicia, we, we finished our last episode where I asked you about, asked, asked you to tell me positive things. So I want to make this a new thing. Tell me some positive things. Tell me one positive thing, one other positive thing about the Seattle trip that you had. Um, I had a bunch of good food. Some good burgers. You said the food in the car cast. Besides Did the I? food. Besides the food. Oh. Uh, it was fun playing red card rules. Oh, that was FIFA. fun. That, that was legit. Yeah. Yeah. We okay. we tied in our red card rules uh, uh, series. This is true. Okay. Now, now tell me one positive thing about practice this week. Um... It wasn't really stinking hot. That's a good thing, I think. Yeah. That's good. You're going to hate this, but it's beginning to feel like fall. 
you're only saying that because what the calendar says. If this, <laughs> if the, if this weather day happened in April, you wouldn't be saying it. Just saying, just saying. Okay, one more positive thing. Tell me one positive thing about your family. Um, about my family. Uh, you're really struggling. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of like, like, like current, current events. Anything. Okay. My, my brother and his wife are pregnant. That's, that's the big news in my family. That's well, very positive. That's very, do, very exciting. Do they want that on the pod? Oh, it's, it's out in, it's out in the ether. It's been shared on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There you go. That's, that's it's a also not new news I've known since the summer. So, <laughs> you know. Well, there you go. Yeah. Aunt to be. Aunt I'm still very excited. Are, are you, you going to be Aunt Alicia, Aunt Alicia, Auntie Alicia, you Auntie Alicia? You know, this Alicia, is a good question. Alicia, I do need to, because be? I, my, one of my dad's sisters, her name is Alicia, so she's been Tia Alicia. So, like, I think it would be weird if I were Tia Alicia. So, but. I think Tia Alicia sounds better than Aunt Alicia. Than Aunt Alicia, because the alliteration doesn't work with aunt. No, it doesn't. Also, I hate when people say aunt. No, it's not yeah. an aunt. It's an aunt. It's aunt. Yeah. And so like, but Aunt Alicia sounds better than Aunt Alicia. So. This is true. But Aunt Alicia is probably what it's going to be because we're whitewashed. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. My, my, my brother's wife is Italian. So maybe there's some sort of like Italian moniker that uh, would make sense. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Zia. I'll take Aunt Zia. No, it'd be Zia. Z- oh, Zia is that the is that the yeah. uh, the so Italian Zia Alicia. Zia Alicia. That's that's fun. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Zia Zia. That's what you could do. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, that'll wrap up this episode. As always, follow us on Twitter at Rain of Troy. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Rain of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. No, sorry. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Troy. Email address reignoftroy at fansite.com and our phone number is 213-373-1872. Lacey, hit us with that final word. The final word is ant. I like The Bug's Life better. You know what? A Bug's Life was a vastly superior movie to Ant's. This is true. Yep. Now that I think about it, I don't know if I've seen A Bug's Life. Maybe I've seen Ant. Wait, what? Maybe I'm getting confused. A Bug's Life is is the one. A Bug's Life is the better one. Maybe I'm wrong. I I think it's Ants that I saw. Huh. I'm going to have to rethink this. I don't know. Well. Are you judging (laughs) me? Are you judging me? I can't help you there. (laughs) All right. See ya. See ya. See ya. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.